This season is sponsored by Future Farm, the revolutionary meatless meat food company from Brazil. They're cooking up products which can match and exceed our juicy meaty favourites on taste, texture and sizzling flavour using only 100% natural ingredients. My favourite? There's too much choice. But if I had to choose, hands down, it would be the future meatballs and future mints in my classic lasagna dish. And get this, they're standing up for some pretty big things too, like reclaiming the Amazon rainforest back by fostering the movement towards GMO-free and deforestation-free products in place of those that are unethical and illegal. Definitely not just another plant-based brand, hey? Very up my street. The full Future Farm range is available now at Sainsbury's. Hello and welcome to the Crazy Sexy Food Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Harley-Young. This podcast is all about the love of food and how it plays a part in our lives. I sit down with well-known personalities, industry insiders and people who, well, just love their food to find out all about their life, career and favourite tastes along the way. This week, I'm joined by Alice Living. If you're into health and fitness and like to focus on living a balanced lifestyle, chances are you would have come across Alice's platform. As one of the UK's top fitness and health influencers, Alice's life has come with its ups and downs. Through her professional dancing career to battling body issues, Alice has carved a successful career in an industry we all in some way invest in. She's a Sunday Times best-selling author, a qualified PT, she writes for Women's Health, she's a fellow podcaster, and in the coming months, she's launching a very exciting app. Oh, did I also mention she has the best eyebrows in the game? Alice, <laughs> <laughs> welcome to Crazy Sexy Food. <laughs> Oh my God, you stop it. I am so, you know what? All that stuff is great, right? Tell me I've done lots of exciting things, but tell me my brows are fabulous. And I'm like, I love her. <laughs> when I was sort of doing my research and I was, well, I mean, I've obviously known about you for ages, but I was actually like, yeah. when you suddenly start doing research on someone, you really are like starting to look at all the things they do. And I was like, this girl's eyebrows, seriously, what is her secret? <laughs> You know, I've got no makeup on today as well, but um, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go in. This is about food, not brows. But, <laughs> but the girl I've been seeing for my eyebrows is amazing. So yeah, I mean, I do, honestly, pride in my brows. Congratulations <laughs> to you, Alice. You definitely win the award, honestly. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> well, thank you for that introduction. That was lovely. Oh, no, you're more than welcome. How are you today? really well I mean I was just saying that I mm. have a to-do list longer than my arm and I'm busy but I think that um I've had a year of not being very busy and I've had a year of reflection and growth and uh, it all sounds a bit cheesy but you know when you stop and press pause on your life for a year as most of us have done with COVID I do guess you have time to reflect and so um things are very much picking up now as I you know as, as you mentioned I'm launching an app in in a month's time um so yeah it feels like a good busy it feels like I'm excited about what I'm doing I'm very lucky that I love my job um and you know life is good right now because I can go out for brunch places and I can <laughs> see my friends and 
I just feel like everyone is in this weird state of um, of excitement and kind of new beginnings. And, and it just feels it, there's, a, there's a happy atmosphere out right now. I mean, obviously, let's not dwell too much on the past year. But, you know, I, I agree with you with all of the things and, and sort of the emotions you've probably gone through. I feel like everyone has just kind of been a bit paralyzed. But sort of how have you adapted? You know, I think that health and fitness has been a huge sort of um, sort of umbrella title that everyone has sort of really delved into themselves this year in different ways. Um, mm. Obviously, you do your fantastic live Instagram workouts every morning. You know, how has that side been for you? Sort of, you know, maintaining, I guess, sort of what you preach in a way. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting because you're absolutely right. I have seen a real... Um, peak in terms of people's interest in their health and well-being in a way that I wouldn't necessarily have said was the same, you know, two years ago. Uh, and I think partly that is, yes, it's the pandemic, but partly it's when um, things are taken away from us that we that we don't recognize actually mean quite a bit to us. So daily movement, you know, when we were restricted to that one hour of exercise a day, people really started to recognize that even a simple walk to the shops or, uh, you know, getting on a bike and going for a cycle ride or going to the gym for that workout or swim, those things actually meant far more to them than they maybe realized. Uh, and so, you know, we know and the research is you know massively stacks up when it comes to the the, the um, physical and mental benefits of exercise but also just to make us feel good and in a year where we've had a lot of stuff that has been challenging and stressful and there's been a lot of trauma I think that people have really lent on exercise as a coping mechanism and you know I'm very grateful that social media exists and I have this platform that I can stream to thousands of people around the world with because it's really allowed me to have the opportunity to share um, with people, you know, a sustainable and safe way to exercise. You know, you mentioned I'm a qualified personal trainer and I've been working in the industry for six years. And um, yeah, really, I think that um, I'd like to see myself as a, as a credible voice in that space and someone who's, you know, um, really worked hard to to stay on the top of my game. And it's been it's been a really interesting year. And you're absolutely right. Like I have had to pivot a bit. You know, if you said to me, this time last year or a bit longer than that but um you know would you be doing home workouts all the time and would you be exercising at home and teaching instagram classes every day i'd say absolutely no way mm. but you know that's what that's what life is about we we are faced with challenges and you know you just have to pivot and and try another route and and sometimes stuff works and sometimes it doesn't and for me this stuff really has worked and it's been an amazing amazing year to be able to connect with people um engage with my audience on a level that I don't think I ever have done before and really learn more about myself as a coach than I ever have done so yeah it's been a it's been a really good year yeah, I, I think definitely picking up what you said, definitely sort of um, finding out about ourselves and realising how resilient we are as well as human beings. You don't realise until the going gets tough, you know, how much you can really take on. So I want to take it all the way back to your childhood. You know, you were born in High Wycombe, you were uh, raised in Buckinghamshire. I want to know what life was like growing up, but I want to know what you were eating, who was cooking, you know, did food play a very important part in your life growing up? Um, sort of paint the picture, as I always say to everyone, paint the picture. Yeah, so I'm from like a big Jewish family, right? So Are you? Is... I didn't know you were yeah. Jewish. I'm Jewish. Well, yeah. I'm half Jewish. So am I. So my, well, oh. my mum's Jewish, uh, but, but my mum's side of the family, you know, growing up, um, we 
you know, we, everything was centered around food. So food is, is really at the heart of, of Jewish culture. And, and my mum has always been an amazing cook. So I'm so grateful that growing up, I had this mum who would, you know, cook the most incredible dinners and she was very, uh, you know, we were very centered around food and, um, you know, we had some really stuff that, that at the time I was like, mom, <laughs> but you know, they made us sit down for a family dinner every evening. And nice. especially on the weekends, we would always make time to sit down and eat. And, you know, I think that at a time where we are becoming ever busier and food is often eaten in a rush or we're eating on the go, you know, the fact that my childhood really taught me about the uh, the social aspect of food and and the family aspect and the cultural aspect of food, um, I found that to be really, um, you know, grounding. And uh, so, yeah, growing up, I mean, we had like typical stuff, you know, spaghetti bolognese. Uh, we ate like, you know, my mom was like, it was all very like home cooked stuff. I have to say we didn't eat kosher in my house, um, although the rest of my family do, but we, we, we weren't in my house. Um, so we did have, you know, like, um, fish pie and shellfish yeah. and that sort of stuff um and like there are a few things that I really remember vividly as as being funny things that my mum would do like my mum was never strict with food as such but she was always quite health conscious so in terms of like when it came to treats like I didn't have McDonald's until I went to university and it was like whoa oh my god this is amazing but I'd never had it before um and we never really had like sort of takeaways or, or things like that. It was all very much like home cooked. Um, but I do remember that we would all get like an, an allowance of sweets a day on the weekends. <laughs> so we got like a cup that my mum would fill with sweets. And she was like, this is your allowance for the day. You can either spread it out or eat it all at once. <laughs> and like, I just remember having that kind of that uh, relationship with, with, with food. Um, which, you know, in some ways is, is a little bit complex, but in some ways it's just my mom trying to ration us from like eating loads of sweets. Yeah, um, but I think that um, one of the things that I found interesting was the fact that like, whilst my mom was an amazing cook, she never taught me to cook. It was never like sort of passed on in the way that I think her mom had. Um, so when I went to university, I didn't even know how to like boil an egg, literally. Like my cooking skills were abysmal. And um, really like my university and, and, and why I started my Instagram page in the first place was because I was like, I need to get better at cooking. I'm terrible and I want to eat well and I want to support my training. As you mentioned, I was training as a dancer, so I needed good fuel. Um, but I was just useless when it came to cooking. I remember like having rivitas for dinner, you know, just terrible, yeah. terrible stuff. And um, so learning to cook was a really um, exciting thing for me. And, and part of the kind of reason why I started my blog was, was really because I started cooking these dishes that I was like, oh, I'm so proud of this. I want to take a picture and I'm going to share it on Instagram. And it really took off from there. So, um, yeah, food growing up, definitely very much home cooked, homely food. Um, I have definite memories of, of um you know, like my mom's signature dishes and, and my mom continues to be an amazing cook. Like she actually, I don't know, this is a bit cheesy, but she runs her own little cooking Instagram page now, which is Does really she? sweet. <laughs> oh yeah, my God, what like, is it? You got to shout like, her out. Uh, it's called Living Bakes, but she's got oh like 6,000 followers and she's really chuffed at that. And oh my she, God, okay, I know, I'm going to follow so her. Cute. But she makes like homemade sourdough bread. She makes like the most amazing like salads and oh she yeah she's a, she is a great cook. Um, but yeah, she's very sweet, so she'll probably appreciate the shout out. Oh, I love that. Well, tell her that crazy sexy food is going to be following her very soon after this. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> so what would so obviously you, you head to university and you know you can't cook an egg so what was the first dish that you learned how to how to make Okay, you're going to laugh at this because um, you would think that you'd go for something like relatively easy, yeah. fairly like neutral in terms of a dish, like cook a, a salmon filler or whatever. Also, oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> I somehow got into my head that polenta, right? Oh. A bit, of a, a bit of a rogue ingredient in itself. Polenta was somehow something that I, I don't know where I read or saw this, but it was like a good thing to eat like a good source of carbs or whatever. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Anyway, so went off to Morrison's, bought some polenta, came home. I'm going to find this photo, by the way, because I need to show you how terrible it was. But anyway, so cooked this polenta. I don't even, like, I probably cooked it according to packet instructions, but terribly. So it ended up like a watery soup, like oh, literally no. a, a polenta mash, right? But it but it, but it, it was not that. Um, yeah. And it basically was like a little soup on the plate. And then on top of that, I, plank, I plunk, uh, plonked a salmon fillet and some broccoli. And that was my <laughs> first ever attempt at a bougie dish. Um, yeah, it wasn't great. But, but you know, I got better from there. And I was and just about I always to say, think, you, you learn from those moments, right? Yeah, things got better slowly. Um, and you know, now obviously I, I, I literally love cooking and I love like my favorite pages to follow are like Ottolenghi and, mm. um, by Noor and all those pages that I love their stuff. I love Middle Eastern Lebanese food, um, those sorts of flavors. Like that's, that's my kind of cooking now, but I've had to grow, obviously learn and grow into that. And, um, yeah, first experience, not so great, but, but, um, I haven't actually tried polenta since either. So I was going to say, I feel like you need to revisit that dish now. <laughs> yeah that is hilarious but, uh, but... I don't even think I've cooked with polenta before I mean I I you know I love I love polenta chips yeah especially when they're yeah. like a bit they put cheese and oh it's all very tasty and sort of oh. soft and gooey it's really delicious so oh, obviously you, you you mentioned and I have mentioned you know you had this incredible dancing career mm. and what was in terms of the relationship with food, you know, you are obviously working rigorous hours, you're training like crazy, you know, what was that relationship like as you got older um, with regards to the to your dancing career? I mean, it was problematic to say the least, but mm. you're in an environment where um, thinness is celebrated. So it's very difficult to to sort of break out of that mold and be anything other than I would say that I went to train with a healthy mindset around food. In my first year, I remember, you know, I lived in halls, uh, halls. I mean, it's definitely not the same as normal uni, but they called it that. Uh, and we would like go out and I'd come back and have pizza with my friends and stuff. But I think when things really started to get serious with our training, you know, I, I just was like, oh, well, there was a real pivotal moment for me where I, I sat down with my jazz um, tutor she was like my my year tutor for um, my first year. And she was like, Alice, um, this was after our like first year assessment. She was like, Alice, I really think you need to focus on getting strong. And basically strong was a, you need to lose weight kind of thing. Like it was, mm. it was subtle, but it was, it was very much like taken in that way. Yeah. Um, and you know, like it's never nice to feel less than or feel as though you're not doing as well as others because of the way you look. Um, and unfortunately, I existed in an industry where aesthetic um, looks are everything. You know, you are hired or fired from jobs depending on the way you look. So um, 
I definitely, as a result, had a, had a, as I said, a more problematic relationship with food. Um, I definitely had the intention of achieving health, but what I now know to be health was not what I was chasing then. Do you know what I mean? Like Mm. if you're chasing an extremely low body fat and you're doing a lot of exercise and you're probably not eating enough to fuel the amount that you're doing, that's not health. That's, that's, you know, disordered eating. So um, I think that, you know, now I'm able to reflect and recognize that. But at the time I was so swept up in this idea of being the healthiest version of myself. Um, as I started eating in this new way, you know, I did lose a lot of weight and my teachers were suddenly noticing me and my body and people were complimenting me. And, you know, I suddenly got the lead in my second year show and things just started to happen in a way that they just hadn't in my first year. And you sort of start to put two and two together and think, well, this is really working and I'm, you know, I'm doing well. And, you know, I remember going to an audition for Mamma Mia in the West End. And bearing in mind, you know, I always found auditions quite challenging and I always struggled a little bit under pressure, which was one of my downfalls as a, as a performer. But um, there was a, a routine that we had to learn and there was a double pir- or a triple pirouette or double pirouette, I can't remember, anyway, in the routine. And I just couldn't get it. And I was really stressing out about it. And then the choreographer came up to me and she was like, I want you in this show for your six pack. So if you don't get that double pirouette, I was just like, I'm going to have to cut you, but I want your body in my show, basically in in, in, wow. in, in many words. And so like the pressure on me, is, like I just felt this sense of like people were really liking my look, um, but I just um, felt like I could never then move away from that. You know, I had to maintain this physique. And so um, I think that, yeah, it was really, it was difficult. And, you know, diet culture was rife in my training. You know, I had friends who survived off like a bar of chocolate and a diet Coke in a day. And it's like, that stuff just isn't normal. And unfortunately, it was still coming at the tail end of an era where that sort of stuff was a little bit glamorized and smoking was cool. And, you know, I never touched a cigarette, but I think that, um, what I was trying to do felt like the complete opposite to that, if you know what I mean. Like I was eating mm. loads of vegetables and protein and and trying to have this really healthy diet. But in a way, it was kind of ultimately doing a similar thing, which was having a disordered relationship with food and, and with my body. So um, I think that the the beauty of hindsight is is our ability to look back and reflect on these things. At the time, absolutely, I, I thought I was, you know, the healthiest thing going. And I thought I was projecting a good message of what I was doing. Um, but I can definitely recognize now that there were certain things that, that weren't, um, you know, as healthy as I believe them to be. Mm. You've touched on a few points there that I actually have on my list of things that I want to talk about. And one of them (laughs) is, one of them is diet culture, because interestingly, Mm. you're talking about this at a time, what we're talking seven, eight years ago, maybe longer oh like yeah six years ago six Six years ago ago. okay so Mm. this was sort of okay fine so Instagram was around at that point but it really wasn't what what Instagram is is nowadays you know this this issue with diet culture um Mm. doesn't I, I feel like there has been a bit of a shift recently but we still have quite a way to go what do you think needs to be put into place for people to kind of like disassociate from this quite scary 
world because you know I'm we're similar well I'm a bit older than you but you know as someone who also struggled with their weight growing up I always say Mm. to people and a lot of people that I have on the podcast thank god social media was not around when I was growing up because genuinely Mm. don't think I would have got through it I wouldn't have got through my teens Mm. no way Mm -hmm. you know I was Mm -hmm. that overweight Mm -hmm. kid and that wasn't Mm -hmm. whether it was accepted or not it was a huge issue and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, I, I still carry that with me. I still carry all those things on a day-to-day basis. I don't think you fully get away from the things that you struggled with, you know, in those real formative years. So how do we kind of, basically, how are we going to sort this out? <laughs> well, I think it's interesting that you spoke about your own experience, because I think if I were to put what I believe to be the case you probably still in your head think that a thinner version of you is the better version of you yeah, at some point. Guilty of that, and I yeah. think and I think most women have that in their minds because we have a, a very clear um uh idea of what the ideal body looks like in modern day society, right? Um not only is that um it's fed to us subliminally, you know, through the people that are successful in terms of the people in films or in TV, uh, but overtly in the, you know, in the media or on social media, um, sex sells and so does thinness. And unfortunately, anyone that kind of detracts from that ideal is is not is seen as other than or different mm. to. Mm. Um, and I think that whilst I don't have all the answers when it comes to how we help younger women, girls, and ourselves to to kind of break free from from diet culture, I would say that definitely a multifaceted approach of having honest conversations about, um, you know, the people we see in the media, um, having conversations with yourself, I think that um, the best relationship you're ever going to have in in life is with yourself, right? And I always have to remind myself of that, because unless I'm happy within myself, I can't be a good person for anyone else. So learning a a sense of acceptance and that, um, you know, that you are enough as you are is one of the most important things that that you can ever learn. And that's not to say that it's easy. My God, like I'm not there yet. Believe me, like I'm doing the work, but I'm not there yet. Mm. But even just starting that process is, is a little bit, you know getting you a little bit closer to to that level of acceptance that that I want and other things like you know diversify your feed like consume different bodies all the time different races different ethnicities different ages like the more that we see um, a diverse mix of people with all different shapes and sizes not just in the magazines and on social media, but when you're shopping, you know, when you go into Zara, I just want to see someone who looks like me. Oh my I don't gosh. want to see, you know, yeah. the amount of times that I've ordered stuff from that website. I mean, n- not to hate on Zara because I love their Listen, clothes. Listen, we but, all love Zara. Um, <laughs> yeah. You're absolutely right. Zara is, it's very true you mentioned Zara because I actually had that issue the other day. Their clothes look so different. I mean, their models couldn't be further from what I look yeah, like. Exactly. And, they're, a, a, and it's like, a completely different item of clothing on me. Yeah. 
there's like there's really good examples of where it's done well there's Mm. a fitness brand called the the upside and um they shoot on like such a diverse mix of bodies and I look at it I'm like I can see myself in that I want those leggings because I can see on that girl exactly what they'll look like on me and therefore I know that that's what I want but yeah I think we often think that it's just the media or just social media that's causing these issues but it we're attacked from all angles when it comes to this sort of stuff it's not just you know those those uh, outlets it's it's everywhere and it's insidious and so it's really about being strong within yourself to not feel triggered by a lot of this stuff because it's going to exist unfortunately we're not there and we're not at a point where it won't exist so being strong in yourself to be able to not be triggered by it or to have coping mechanisms to not fall back into bad habits um and then also just having autonomy over the stuff that you do consume within your space. So i.e. the stuff you consume on social media, the media you consume, so that you are able to feel more comfortable in the fact that being smaller isn't going to be better. Mm. And look, I think it's really important to caveat this stuff with like everyone's relationship there with their body is going to be different, right? I don't sit here with this idea that like everyone wakes up in this euphoric state of happiness and is just like, I love myself and that's it. Done, walk away, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like I believe that self-acceptance and body acceptance is a real journey and almost one that's on a continuum of sometimes it's going to be better and sometimes it's going to be worse. And it's more just about always checking in with yourself and being like, what do I need in this moment to make myself feel better? And Sometimes that is exercise or, you know, eating well to make myself feel good or getting enough sleep. And sometimes that is I need to speak to someone because I'm having triggering thoughts or whatever. Like there's so many ways in which we can help ourselves. Um, But I think that like I don't believe in this kind of uh, selling selling the message of that everyone can achieve this this state of of complete bliss, of of happiness and that our bodies are are no more don't worry us anymore I just think that that's unrealistic in my eyes I think that um, we need to help people to have better coping mechanisms to be better educated about what health is and that health looks different on everybody and a better understanding of of the fact that we control our space and we need to have boundaries around what Mm. we're comfortable with you know one of my biggest um triggers I guess when I was growing up was was stuff that came from family like it's not even the stuff that you see outside it's like the stuff that 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 is said frivolously in the home it's like oh mum's on a diet again and you grow up with that and it's always like you just kind of assume that oh yeah mum's on a diet she's mum's exercising now or you know there's there's diet magazines in the doctor's surgery or there's you know it was just it was just everywhere and Mm. and it's and it's no wonder that we have such an issue now with with people's body acceptance I think you know the stats are are devastating when it comes to how many women and men um are really really affected by poor body image uh and I think yeah yeah it's it's really interesting that you're addressing it because I think it's something that just needs a lot of um airtime right now yeah absolutely I could talk about it for hours I think also something else that I think is really important is that we're all evolving. You know, you're talking about mm. this thing that you're not you're not just trying to get to one place. There isn't one place mm. because when you get to that place, there'll be something else that you're going to be struggling with or wanting to change. And I think mm. it's not just about acceptance, but just sort of understanding that, you know, we're changing, we're, we're getting older. You know, I, when I got into my 30s, my body changed. And mm. that's not to say that was because I 
ate differently or I exercised differently or I changed anything. It's just what happens. My body is not Mm -hmm. what it was when I was 21. I'm 33 now. Things are going to change. And so I will work with what I have, you know? Yeah. And that's normal as well. And this is where my biggest frustration lies with like the online PT who's like, it's so easy, guys. It's just calories in versus calories out. I'm like, okay, fine for a 21 year old who doesn't have a job or I mean that sounds awful but who you know who's living I know what you mean yeah do you know what I mean like you don't have many things going on it's fine I'm not saying they don't have issues I'm sure they do but I've worked with women who are in their 40s 50s 60s who have kids busy jobs stressful lives other stuff going on you know it's sometimes not as simple as that and it's not as simple as just saying to someone oh you know just be consistent and work hard and be Mm. disciplined you know, that's just not, it's, it's not the, it's not the answer. And, it, yeah. and it's doing a disservice to those people who are just looking to feel better and to, you know, get some, get some help from a personal trainer. That was a bit of a rant, but. Um, <laughs> love a but, rant, um, yeah. love a rant. That's okay. I, I just think that, um, I, think, I think what you said about our bodies changing with age, our bodies, you know, even, even, um, depending on what we're going through like we've just come out of a mm. pandemic and the mm. amount of memes and th- like things that I saw where it's like oh need to lose the pandemic pounds it's like hang on a second like you've just survived a year of like extreme trauma if the only thing that you know that will happen to you is that you gained a few pounds well done yeah. amazing like yeah. that's a good absolutely. thing absolutely <laughs> Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Something that a topic that we're kind of touching on that is something that I have, whether I want to say guilty of or not, is this whole idea behind exercise versus diet. So, you know, listen, Mm -hmm. I'm very open about how I've been throughout the years you know as I mentioned Mm -hmm. as when I was younger I I was overweight and I started to lose the weight but I only started really losing the weight when I sort of left school got into university Mm -hmm. and really sort of came into my own a -hmm. lot of PTs um, or um, dietitians will talk about this whole 70-30 ratio so seven you know how you look she's laughing (laughs) um is you know 70 percent is kind of what you're what you're eating essentially what you're taking into your body and 30 percent is the exercise is that a total is that all just cobblers is it all just a lie like what to maintain i'm not talking about necessarily drastic weight loss what should we really be doing? Because as you said as well, there's a lot of people out there who are not qualified giving dietary advice, exercise advice. Now this is my time for a rant. That really gets to me because there are so many young people out there who are so influenced by these people and it's so dangerous. I can't believe there is no kind of like governing body that is allowing mm. that is that allows this to happen i just think it's mm. absolutely atrocious um mm. obviously you so, are qualified hence why i'm talking to you yeah. about it but you yeah. know how do we navigate if we want to just have a nice healthy life whatever our bodies might look like what should we be doing and i know it's different for everyone yeah so i wish I wish I could sell an equation that simple and be like, guys, this is what it is. It's just 70-30. Yeah. Unfortunately, health, as I've mentioned a couple of times across this podcast, is way more complex than that. And so your your uh, equation might be 70-30, but mine might be 40-60 or mm. 60-40 or 50-50. And 
everyone is going to respond differently to different stimuluses. So yes, if I were to say, what is the most important thing for um, health? Let's just put it like that, because obviously health is a complex and nuanced term as it is. But I would say that nutrition and adequate nutrition is important. First and foremost, yes, it is. Uh, it matters what we eat, nutrient density, quality of food, and um, that stuff matters. It does. The second thing I would say is movement, not exercise. Mm. Daily movement is what we know is associated to better health outcomes. That is not specific exercise, okay? We actually know that specific exercise is really poor when it comes to fat loss and weight loss outcomes it's it's not effective it's actually like it falls really high on my list if i were to draw you a pyramid of what the things were that i would put in i would have nutrition at the bottom yes and i would have movement at the as the second thing and that is because we know that daily movement in the form of it has a it has a bit of a fancy term, but we call it non-exercise activity thermogenesis or NEAT. And that is the amount of movement that we do that is outside of our specific dedicated time of exercise. So that could be walking to the shops or hoovering the house, cleaning, um, even just standing up at a stand-up desk, you know, things that require an energy output that aren't specific exercise um, are directly associated to better health outcomes. So what frustrates me as a PT, even saying this, I, you know, it, it sort of feels a bit backwards to say it, but what frustrates me is um, there is such a sales pitch on exercise being the route to fat loss and weight loss. That is not to say that it can't be, it can, and it can help and it can contribute towards an energy deficit. Mm. Yes. But it's often the least important factor, really. It's not hugely important. You could not do any exercise at all and just eat in an energy deficit and you would lose weight, okay? The exercise and why the exercise is important is because we know that exercise is good for our health. So not fat loss, but health. Cardiovascular exercise, strength training and resistance training, both of those things have tons and tons of research behind them to support the fact that they help us to be healthier mentally and physically. So yes, they are, exercise is important, but not for the, not for the thing that I think a lot of people go to it for. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Mm. So basically we're separating weight loss from exercise. They're kind of too, they're not really, they're not connected. Well, I mean, they are connected, no. but you know what I mean? It's about health, yeah. actually. Yeah. Maintenance yeah. of health. Yeah, exactly that. And so if I were to draw a picture of what actually matters, so, you know, you mentioned that you're just looking for someone who wants to be healthy and who wants to sort of live a healthy lifestyle and maintain where they're at, fine. I would say that it's far, far more complex than just the 70-30 rule. So I'd say, yes, diet is important, as we've discussed. Daily movement is also important. Exercise is important. Yeah, you need some some specific exercise in there. The government recommends 150 minutes of exercise a week, and that's like a, a vigorous intensity. So doing something at, for 150 minutes a week is recommended. But then also on top of that, sleep. Sleep is one of the 
founding pillars of wellness that people often forget, or I hate to use the word wellness actually, but of health that people often forget. So many of our physiological mechanisms will not operate at their best unless we're getting good quality sleep. So that's another thing. And our mental well-being, stress. Stress is one of the biggest indicators of poor health outcomes. Like we are living more stressful lives. People are busy, they're stressed, they're running from one thing to the next. If you then add into the mix high intensity exercise and eating in an energy deficit, both of which are stresses on the body, mm. you end up with a with a pretty like poor picture of health mm. because you're just you're just trying to get a lot from your body and not putting much back in. Do you see what I mean? So it's a lot more complex. Um, I would say the things that I I worry less about are stuff like your vitamins and minerals and all that sort of stuff that people obsess over. I'm not saying they're not important and they do have a place, particularly if you have deficiencies, but that sort of stuff, people place far higher on the pyramid than the, um, sorry, far lower on the pyramid than the needs to be. That's like the very, very top. Yeah. And also things like exercise selection, you know, exercise selection, you could be doing anything, you know, a gentle run, some training at the gym in a class, some weight training, you know, whatever it is, cycling, climbing, as long as it's, you know, like I said, that 150 minutes is the guideline a week. It can be whatever you want. It doesn't have to be hit or running you know like that th- there's no there's no kind of best exercise to lose weight uh and and that's another thing that's that's really a bugbear of mine so I, that's a b- very long-winded answer to your question but i think uh, to summarize we want to oversimplify a really complicated equation we want the sexy buzzwords we want the 70 30 or the the just do this and and it's just as simple as in and out um, and for some people, it might be, you know, that's being me, me yeah. being totally honest. Some people, they'll make a few yeah. changes and it will be as simple as yeah. that. But for a lot of people, it won't be. Uh, and if we're looking at long term health as the goal rather than short term fat loss or, you know, what, what a lot of people go to exercise for, which is, you know, they, they want to lose weight for something and um, the goalposts change a little bit. And so mm. that is how I practice as a trainer. I'm trying to promote long term health. Um that's not to say that people can't do my workouts and 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 ha- achieve fat loss. It's just not always at the forefront of why I do what I do. I mean, we, we're sort of sold this whole like quick fix, right? You know, drink, <laughs> yeah. drink this tea or do this do do this 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 exercise for the next week, and you will literally drop the pounds. I mean, it is just shocking some of the stuff that you see out there. Yeah. It's the society that we live in, though, right? I Everything know. has become instant. And so we want to have, we want to click our fingers and be like at optimum yeah. health. And we want to be able to, you know, fall asleep and wake up 10 pounds lighter. And and unfortunately, life just doesn't work like that. Interestingly, in the times when I've actually overtrained, I've put the weight on. When I've mm. cut the training down a bit... I've actually lost the weight. Whether that could be muscle, I don't know. But it's just, I'm just thinking about like my sort of like training and exercise journey. It's been quite interesting. I'll tell you what it typically is. And I'm not saying, I don't know your individual situation. So what typically happens is the more exercise we do, the hungrier we are. Mm. So subconsciously, even though you think I'm doing a lot of exercise, so I'm actually, I'm needing more energy you're probably doing a lot. Yes, I don't deny that. But also having to eat a lot to refuel all of the exercise that you're doing. And we have this kind of um, 
we have this phrase in 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 PTing that you're you're sort of working on a like a buy-in mindset where like you leave a class for example so I'm just going to use it as an example but like a Barry's boot camp right a really hard workout yeah and your mindset is, oh my God, I've just done a really hard workout. So I'm going to reward myself with X, Y, or Z. In reality, what you've probably lost calorically in that class isn't as much as you probably think it is. Mm. But then the mindset goes, oh, I'm going to reward myself with this. And, and that's how it typically happens. So we do see that people that are doing a lot of exercise, it doesn't always equal fat loss in the way that you would think it would because our body works on an energy balance and sometimes that balance isn't in the in in you know fat loss's favor mm. so I don't want to center this conversation around fat loss because really it's not what we're talking no, but about it's but not about that it's but just... it's just interesting hearing it from your point of view because I think you've actually perfectly dissected it yeah because yeah. There, there is a real sort of I think there has been quite a miscommunication through the media through just over the years I mean I've been I've have absorbed it and got it all very wrong over the over the years but this actually seamlessly brings me on to something that you have been working on that you've been talking about a lot on your social media which is the app that you've been working on um give me strength tell us what this is we're all (laughs) waiting for it Alice come on I mean, I feel like this is a bit of an exclusive because I haven't oh. really spoken too much about it yet. But um, so the app is uh, it's launching on the 1st of June. Um, it is a culmination of six years of hard work and graft oh. and um, experience as a trainer. And really, it's about me looking at the market and the fitness offerings that are out there right now and saying, I do believe there's a definite gap in the market for what I'm going to offer. I don't believe that there is enough support for women who want to go to the gym and train at the gym and want a structured program that's progressive that is going to get them results uh in the way that I train people so really I I sort of the 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 first pillar of what I wanted to build was around structured workouts for the gym for women and men to be able to do they could track their progression they could learn Mm. different exercises they could be challenged physically um, and that's kind of one of our, our pillars of, of what the app is. But as we spoke about earlier, um, this year has made me pivot a lot in terms of what I offer. And it's really affected in, term, in terms of what I want to provide on the app. So not only do we have access to both gym programs and home workout programs, we also have a section of the app dedicated to on-demand workouts, so live workouts. Oh, nice. So classes with myself. 45 minutes at the moment uh, I'm running uh, and I'm launching the app on the 1st of June and that will run uh, alongside a June challenge which is four days of training a week with me you do the light uh, you do the workouts live with myself um, and you can do them from home with your um, you know with your dumbbells and um, those are going to sit on the app permanently so if you ever want to do like a 28 day challenge which is what the June challenge is you can just jump back in find the June challenge do that um we're also going to have uh, a big focus on you know more holistic sides of training so mobility stretching um you know activation all these things that are also quite important for your training and then my favorite bits which are um you know over 100 recipes for you to really nourish your bodies oh, wow. with and to um, fuel your training in a positive way 
Uh, there's no focus on sort of calories and macros. And obviously, if someone decides to do that outside of the app, that's fine. But we really wanted it to be about just focusing on the food. Uh, 50% of those recipes are also plant-based so that we have um, options for those who are choosing to eat more um, of a plant-based lifestyle. Uh, and then things that I'm really proud of um, are taking into account and hopefully you've got from from what I've talked about today that I I really believe in a more 360 picture of health and a more holistic approach to health so we have the ability to track your menstrual cycle and to understand about the different phases of your cycle so that you can train in in a in a way that is uh adaptive to you to where you are in your in your menstrual cycle we have uh, daily goals and habit trackers so that we can encourage you to do positive health behaviors like drink more water, get more movement into your day, do some meditation, you know, stuff that, that, that we know helps to make us feel better. So, you know, when I, if I had to summarize it into a sentence, I would say it's not just about the exercise you do or the food you eat, but it's also about the other stuff that's important too. Um, and uh, I just think that um, it feels like the, the right time to release it. You know, I've, I've had opportunities that have been put in front of me over the last six years and I could have done it, but I just feel like now I've really grown. And like I said earlier, so much as a coach that I feel like I have the confidence to now be like, this is the time to release this. And I feel really, really good about it. So yeah, I'm very excited. Comes out on the 1st of June. And, I'm uh, so excited yeah, by this. <laughs> but, I, but as I think this is sort of where you are going to sort of succeed in the sense that you're, I'm quite similar to you even earlier when you spoke about like sleep people don't think about sleep affecting Mm. the way that they might look or how their exercise is going to be or their product productivity Mm. you know so key so important all the holistic measures whether that be a bit of meditation whether that be just doing a bit of yoga whether that be just talking to someone talking to a friend you don't need to go uh, necessarily to a therapist if, if it you know because that's expensive to to go into therapy mm-hmm. if you can't afford it um this sounds amazing especially tracking your menstrual cycle you know I know that there are certain uh exercises you shouldn't really do when you're on your period and how fabulous so first of June that is um yeah. going straight into my diary <laughs> <laughs> oh thank you yeah it's gonna be great I'm really excited Bringing it a little bit back to the food, um, talk to me about what sort of an average day is like for you in food. So it's changed massively this last year and it's actually really hard for me to think back to a time when I wasn't eating at home for three meals a day. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know. (laughs) So um, so I'll tell you like right now, typical day for me, I get up at half five or between quarter past and half past five. Um, I have a coffee at about, quarter to six um sit and watch the news do my emails and then uh, I usually teach my first class which is at seven after that I have breakfast so I really have to refuel post-workouts I need like a big breakfast so Mm -hmm. I have like a couple of slices of toast butter I usually have eggs some form of vegetables as well um and then I'll also have a protein shake with that um so just try and get some protein in post-workout um I snack throughout the day. I mean, I snack on all sorts of things, but one of my favorite things at the moment I have is um, there's these things called RX bars. Have you ever heard of them? Oh, I love RX bars. They're so nice. Like the peanut butter one is Oh, they're amazing. And they're really good because they've not got, you know, they've not got any like rubbish in them. Yeah, 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 they're delicious. Dates, dates, uh, yeah, all sorts of other stuff. But yeah, they're, they're delicious. So I have 
generally have one of those. Um, lunch at the moment I'm doing, I mean, I've sort of transitioned, you know, there gets to a point in the year where I go from having like roasted vegetables to like salad stuff. Yeah. Um, but I like to make like a big salad with grains. So like lentils or quinoa, uh, maybe some chicken or um, prawns or tuna. Um, but lots of vegetables in there. Nice dressing, like, um, yeah, tofu as well. I'm really into at the mm. moment. I'm like, oh, the other day I made this amazing, if I do say so myself, tofu salad that was like loads of shredded vegetables, like carrot, red uh, red cabbage, um, cucumber. Uh, and then I added in like roasted um, cashew nuts and Ooh. like um, this kind of had like a peanut satay dressing and then like fried tofu on top. It was amazing. It was so good. Oh my God, that sounds um, amazing. So for dinner, I am trying to definitely eat less sort of fish and meat. So we've been having lots of grains. So my favorite is a like big warm lentil salad with sort of roasted red onion, tomatoes, feta, pomegranate seeds, toasted pumpkin seeds, uh, all the works, rocket. I mean, it's delicious. Um, So that's my go-to at the moment. (laughs) I'm salivating and it's nearly dinner. So um, you just inspired me for this evening. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, you've kind of probably answered it, but like what, I mean, we're coming off the back of a year, as you mentioned, where we are cooking, you know, three meals a day. Um, What are some of your specialities at home? Like, what do you really enjoy cooking? Well... I mean, I've just said that I'm trying to eat less meat, but I would say that like Paddy and I's favorite is a beef Wellington. Um, like if I was having like a real, like I love cooking, uh, you know, a, a proper slap up meal with like roasted potatoes, all the veg, red cabbage, basically a Christmas dinner. Yeah. <laughs> but a beef, beef Wellington is one of our favorites. Um, but in the summer, actually, um, like I loved last summer, we had the barbecue out basically every day every night and we would do like you know we'd marinate some chicken and something delicious I do this like a really delicious um like mixed tomato salad I forget like heritage tomatoes and stuff and I make this kind of like tangy basil dressing that's Mm. like loads of garlic crushed basil olive oil balsamic vinegar salt and pepper like really simple but it's delicious uh and kind of coat that on some tomatoes love Mm. a roasted carrot like a drizzled honey roasted carrots um big green salad like my favorite green salad is um rocket and uh parmesan with some um steamed asparagus as well um is a classic um so yeah like something like that like Delicious. that's what that's what I love and like I'm lucky because Paddy my boyfriend loves food and loves cooking too and he grew up in quite a foodie household his dad is an amazing cook so both of us have a real um, you know love for cooking and, and making nice food so it's nice because I would say that um, we both get great enjoyment out of like spending time making a nice meal mm. um, where are some of your favorite restaurants to eat at oh um so where do I love to eat I would say um one of my favorites is um Pasha Mama I love Chikama I love that sort of like Peruvian mm. fusion kind of food um, I do love rocker, love Japanese food. Rocker's like, if I'm going for a real treat meal, I yeah. love there. Um, but, you know, I think as well, like it's not all, like those are quite like top end, I would say, restaurants. So I think some of the places that I think are also great, like, do you know the Beanie Green um, uh, chain? Like it's no. like an Australian cafe group. Um, they, 
they do they have a couple of places that's like beanie green um i'm trying to think of the names of the others but like they're they all have bean at the end but different names at the front basically Ooh. but they're delicious it's kind of they kind of like have an Aussie brunch style menu yeah. that's delicious and like really, really, really reasonably priced. Um, I would say my absolute treat meal, um, which uh, is a bit cheesy because like I think it's I don't know whether it's got the best reputation as a restaurant, um, but um, Scott's in Mayfair mm. is um, I think people might think it's a bit snooty, but but it is for, for, the, for incredible you know, yeah. food. I was going to say, if you, if you really want to splurge and you just want, yeah. I always say this to my guests, you know, if you're going to go somewhere expensive, it's a whole experience. It's not just the food, it's the service, it's the ambience, it's the room. It's everything. And like yeah, that's somewhere completely. that you sort of would go to and you kind of, you know what you're kind of paying for when you it's get so there. It's so special. Yeah, yeah it is it's special. so special. Nice. Um, I like. Your I also think the the ivy is like that as well. You know, like yeah. when I go to the the, orig, the original one. Obviously, yeah. there's lots of chains now, but the original ivy yeah. is really special when you go yeah. there. Oh, you're inspiring me for all these things that now suddenly <laughs> my life has opened up. <laughs> so I always end my conversations with a few quick fire questions. Are you ready? Ooh, okay, go for it. I'm so ready. Yeah. So my favorite snack of all time is a packet of crisps. What is your favourite flavour of crisps and why? <laughs> uh, easy. Salt and vinegar Walker's crisps. Love them. Good. Absolutely love them. But can I have another option? Yeah, If of I course. were to go for a, a bougie crisp, yeah. which is like if I'm being a little bit more spenny, um, I absolutely love the Tyrrell's vegetable crisps. Oh my God, they're so good. Oh, I haven't tried their vegetable You know, like crisps. the mixed Tyrrell's mixed vegetable crisps. Okay. Oh my God, they're, yeah, they're delicious. Mm. What is the craziest food you've ever eaten? Um, that's a good question. Uh, okay, off the top of my head, I'm trying to think of really crazy stuff. I mean, I've drunk camel's milk. That was oh, quite crazy. Okay, in the desert. Oh, um, so I, we we did like a um, we went to Dubai and we did the des- a, a desert tour with the Bedouin tribes. And they bring you out like camel's milk. It is delicious. It is really? so delicious. It's like creamy and sweet. Yeah, it's really nice. Um, what would you like in it crazy. A bit like, mm, it's a bit like almond milk, you know? Okay. Like if you had a sweetened yeah, yeah, yeah. almond milk, yeah. something like that. I would say it was probably like that. Um, it was really delicious though. Um, wow. But crazy food. What do, I mean, I'm not that adventurous. Like I, I, I'll eat anything. I am pretty mm. good at trying new things. Um, but I mean, I've done like snails in France and all yeah. that sort of stuff, but I don't think that's that crazy anymore. So, oh, I think camel yeah, milk's camel, a pretty good answer. <laughs> camel milk will be my, my answer. <laughs> what has been your most memorable meal? Uh, we went to a restaurant, uh, in, um, the BVI in the British Virgin Islands oh. and it's called the Soggy Dollar Bar. And it's basically because it's a, on a tiny island and all the boats moor up around it. And the only way that you can get to the island is if you swim. So you have to swim into the island. So everyone arrives wet, which is why it's called the Soggy Dollar Bar. I love that. The food the food wasn't like outstanding, yeah. but um, but the experience and like the, the vibe was amazing. Like it was really, really nice. Um, that was one. And I have one more that was also actually eating on a beach, but... My boyfriend and I went to Mauritius last year, actually just before COVID hit. 
and um we did like a day trip to this um island called Ilo Surf I've been there uh, which is just <laughs> have you oh it's... my god it's amazing <laughs> that is do you know how much you... I've been thinking about Mauritius over the past year whilst I'm like oh stuck god, indoors I love like, it there putting my hair I out. love it there wow yeah. that's a special it's such place a beautiful country yeah, so Elisaf, I would say sat on the beach there, open barbecue behind you, just frying like fresh fish and lobster and things like that. Like, not actually, I don't know if we had lobster, but I think we had fresh fish. Um, amazing. Mm. What food sums up happiness for you? Oh, that's a really good one. Happiness. Probably ice cream. I love mm. ice cream so much. What's your oh, favorite oh my God, I could eat it. Uh, well, I have two that off the top of my head, I would eat in a heartbeat. I could do a whole tub. Haagen-Dazs salted caramel or Haagen-Dazs dolce de leche. Dolce de leche. Mm. Um, other, other notable favorites include uh, also Haagen-Dazs pralines and cream. <laughs> Very nice. Um, I am a fan of some of the Ben and Jerry's, but I would have to say that they would fall lower on my list. Interesting, because Ben and Jerry's is quite high on my list. Is it? Yeah, I, think I, I know the that. Yeah, I I know that they're very sweet, um, but I and they're quite busy as an ice cream, aren't they? They've got so yes, many things going busy. on in them. Um, this is the word for it. You yeah, it they're busy, but I kind of quite like it because it's a bit of a surprise. You know, I remember when fish food first came out, and it was like the most <laughs> revolutionary thing. It's like there's bits of marshmallow and there's bits of chocolate. I don't know what to do with myself. You know. <laughs> Too much. It's too much for my palate to take in. Uh, yeah. For me, I, I mean, su- sweetness is a flavor that you can't really dissect anyway. It's just yeah. sweet, isn't it? But mm. I think what, like, I, what I like about the Haagen-Dazs one is, you know, got a little bit of a crunch in the pralines and cream, or yeah. you've got a little bit of like gooey caramel in the in the salted caramel one. So yes, ice cream for me equals happiness. Nice one. Final question and the most important: live to eat or eat to live live to eat I would say I love how you said these are quick fire questions they're probably (laughs) taking about 20 minutes answering them (laughs) do you know what I think I need to do I think I need to actually send these to my guests beforehand so that they're like prepared but I kind of quite like it because then you're really thinking on the spot and I always think that that's kind of like the true answer and those were actually very quick fired I've actually had like someone talk for about half an hour for what I think the most memorable meal sort of went on for quite a bit do you have it do you have it where someone's like ooh ah Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, for question. anyone who's listening Ten minutes that, later. that goes straight straight into the edit and that's cut down <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. oh god oh alice what a pleasure 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 to oh. meet you you are incredibly inspirational but also what i love about you is that you just have this very realistic and approachable um way about you that you know, for me, you know, listening to you, I actually learned quite a bit today, funnily enough, um, even though I think oh. I'm a know-it-all. Um, you can follow <laughs> Alice on social media at Alice Living. Until next time. Oh, thank you so much. It's been a total pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. If you love what you hear, please subscribe and review. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Crazy Sexy Food and check out the Crazy Sexy Food YouTube channel. Until next time, bye.